Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where we dive into conversations about psychedelics and healing. I'm your host, Christine. And I'm Leah. We invite you to listen with an open mind and heart and a little bit of curiosity while we break your brains along with some stigmas and make you laugh along the way. So let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of See You on the Other Side. I am your host, Christine. And Leah. Yes. So first thing I wanted to talk about was we released um, our first two episodes and how amazing the feedback was. Oh my God. Literally made my life. Overwhelming. The amount of support and love <laughs> and positive feedback that I was not, not so that I surprised. wasn't expecting it, but so like surprised. some of the people who listened and reached out, I was like, oh my God, I never would have thought you would have listened to this. Me too. Me too. <sighs> yeah. And I mean that like as a compliment, like it, it means a lot. It means so much. Um, but you and I were talking last night and yes, we're talking about trauma. Yes. We're talking about psych- psychedelics. But what we what I realized is that this podcast is going to be about hope. Yeah. You can be really, really down and be in a very, very dark place, but it doesn't mean you have to stay there. I think it's easy to relate to the dark. And that's, I think, why uh, we kind of gravitate towards that. Like people listen to sad music because it's relatable and they forget that they're, or not forget. I think that maybe they don't realize that there's another side to it. And the people who are happy aren't happy because they've always been happy. Yeah. A lot of really wise, happy people, they got there because they were in a really, really, really dark place and got themselves out of it. So I think it's important to share both the dark and the good because that's where the hope comes in. Like you're like, oh shit, I relate to that on such a huge level. And now she's saying she doesn't feel that way anymore. And I want to know more about how to get there. How how did you get there? Tell me how to do it. (laughs) Absolutely. On another random note, if for whatever reason, this podcast does not work out for you, so we've gotten a lot of um a lot of compliments about our voices. Yeah. So my my friend Katie was like, "You guys are like your voices are like smooth like butter." <laughs> and they're, you know, people say they're very calming and whatever. And I've always thought that about your voice. So, and I wanted I wanted to wait until we were recording <laughs> to say this. Oh god. So wait for whatever reason. See you on the other side doesn't work out. Where am I going? You have two career paths. Oh, shit. Okay? Okay. They're very different. Okay. But they're about about your voice. Okay. First one is you could totally be a phone sex operator. (gasps) Oh, I could not. But you, your voice could. My voice could. Like, but I would have to like create an alter ego because sure, I because am it would not be like a very it would, sexual right. Well, I know that, but it, but you just have this very soothing voice, like, hey, big boy. It would. What are you wearing? I could be the awkward sex phone phone sex operator. I could be like the, hey, you dirty person. <laughs> Do you want me to clean you up? <laughs> 
exactly right exactly that's that's okay my sex so thought. then so then maybe that's uh, not gonna work out. out for you okay, but i have another out. option okay okay do you know the calm app like i listen to it sometimes <gasps> like i always listen to ocean sounds but then sometimes if i you know have felt anxiety yes. i would listen to you know someone's voice harry you, styles I you, listen to his all the time. Oh, I didn't know he had one. Oh, I don't even know what he's saying or what he's talking about. His voice is there is a just, visual? Because I would, I wouldn't mind listening and looking. There's no visual, <laughs> okay. but it's just I. It puts me to sleep so fast. So, so you'd yeah, be yeah. you'd be very good at that. Like <gasps> I need you to take a deep breath <sighs> in through your nose. Once you can't inhale anymore, nice and slowly exhale. Three, two, one. Okay. Outside your mouth. Maybe I can like read some books or something on here. Well, just, I mean, this is going to, this is going to work out, but it's I'm gonna just saying <laughs> if it doesn't, you have a backup. <laughs> I, it's funny. Cause like, I never really thought that about my voice before. And I remember this was like probably six months ago, somebody at Starbucks, like I picked up my drink and she was like, by the way, you have a really good voice. And I was like, what? Thank you. Like I'd never heard that. Oh, I've before. always thought about that. Thought that about you. Also, your voice less chaotic. Your voice reminds me of Stassi Schroeder from Vanderpump Rules. Sometimes, really, yeah, huh? Very random. I like her. So, okay, yeah, but a little, a little <laughs> more toned down. Just the tone of your voice reminds me of her. So, not I have a future. <laughs> <laughs> not when Goodness. she's talking about like brutally murdering like ex boyfriends. Not when she's like psycho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. You have a good voice too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious though. I'm like, okay. So I have a couple of ways out just in case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, we were like texting each other screenshots of like everybody reaching out and all yes. the comments we were getting and all the text messages. And at first I think you sent me a couple and you're like, I don't want to so I don't want to overwhelm you. And I was like, no, I, I don't want to overwhelm you. Like, and then we were immediately like, no, send it. Like as soon as you see something, send it because it was just reassurance and, and confirmation that we're doing the right thing. Well, and like so many texts and so many DMS. So thank you. Yes. All of you for the love and the support and yes. it feels good. And I just, it, it, we always knew that this was, once we did our trip, we knew that this was where we were going to go. Oh, it was immediate. <clears throat> but <laughs> I just, especially for only dropping two episodes, I didn't realize that we would get like so much support. No. I was honestly very surprised. So, yeah. But that's exciting. Love it. Love that journey for us. <sighs> it's my trip day, isn't it? It is your trip day. And there are a couple of, I re-listened to our um, episodes and there's a couple of things I wanted to re-answer because I realized I talked a little bit in circles and you would ask me a question and I would <clears throat> kind of answer it, but not really. I think you did a good job answering it. I I answered it, but I want to answer them yeah. Better. I mean, with psychedelics, though, there's just a lot to cover. There's so much. Yeah. It's, it's like my brain is in a million places right. all at once. Um, I reached out to someone today to come on and I was like, I need you to come on and talk about it because you need to do like a mushroom for dummies episode. That's a good idea. You know, like the science and all the language surrounding psychedelics. And right. I am just the feelings person. I can tell you what I felt, but I am not good with the scientific terms and like I've read about them, but I lose that stuff, you know? Right. So anyway, yeah. Uh, an episode for dummies. 
I love that. We're dummies too. So yeah, we're not calling. Yeah. We're dummies too. Absolutely. I'm like, tell me the science behind it. And there are a lot of people out there like my husband probably who wants to hear that part of it. Yeah. Um, so one of the things you asked me was why a guide was necessary. Mm Um, and I, kind of explained it, but then I realized there's a difference between someone being a guide and someone being a trip sitter. Okay. And I kind of wanted to talk about the two really quick. Um, I chose a guide because they've done this before for this purpose, for this reason. Um, and trip sitters can literally be anyone. Well, hey there, shroomies. We are so excited to have our first official sponsorship with Colors Gummies, a game changer in the world of mushroom-infused treats. So let's dive into what makes Colors Gummies so unique and why we love them so much. For sure. Unlike other brands who use ground-up shrooms, Colors uses nano-mushroom extract from organically grown mushrooms. Their exclusive extraction process ensures purity and potency, making them five times more robust than raw mushrooms alone. Plus, their gummies carry a full-spectrum blend of tryptamines for that one-of-a-kind experience. That is amazing. So what about dosing precision? Yeah, so Colors addresses this issue with their proprietary nano-extract. It's water-soluble, ensuring a one-to-one dissolution ratio in water. No more unpredictable experiences, just a consistent and reliable dose every time. Ah, I love that. Okay, now let's talk comfort because sometimes I get shroom tummy, but not with colors gummies. Oh my God, same. And there's a reason for that. I always thought it was just completely unavoidable when taking shrooms. But with colors, their extraction process isolates active compounds, leaving behind the indigestible compounds. They're gentle on the stomach, so no shroom tummy with colors. Convenience is crucial too. Colors gummies are heat resistant and perfect for on the go. There is nothing worse than finding your melted mushroom chocolates in the bottom of your bag. Holy shit, right? <laughs> like good luck dosing that out. Colors gummies remain solid, heat resistant up to 180 degrees, but who the fuck is going in 180 yeah, degrees? <laughs> and if you are, you're not dosing mushrooms. <laughs> They're convenient for any adventure, so no mess, even distribution, reliable dosing, and a shareable experience. Okay, so now let's talk purity. Colors is committed to all natural and no synthetics. Yeah, so many brands use synthetic lab-derived compounds, but not colors. They're committed to clean products free of inorganic lab-derived compounds, and all of their products undergo third-party lab testing for potency and purity. So there is a whole range of products from colors, including microdoses, perfect for those starting their journey or seeking a lighter dose, the double strength pouch for a more robust experience, and my new personal favorite, the Amanita Muscaria gummies for relaxation and stress relief. Ah, I love them too. They are also vegan, gluten-free, and made with real fruit juices and purees. Colors gummies are artisan made and hand poured for a truly exceptional experience. Ready to embark on a journey or microdose with colors? Visit the Colors Gummies link in our bio and use our code OTHERSIDE15 for 15% off your purchase. And most importantly, be safe and dose responsibly. Hell yeah. Your friend, your husband, your wife. And actually, the second uh, mushroom experience I had, my husband sat for me. And I sat for him during his um, 
not as guides necessarily. Yeah. So you're very uninvolved, completely uninvolved, like in separate rooms, uninvolved. Like I'm not there to influence his trip in any way. I don't even want him to see my face and have like a thought. Um, it's more about having someone there who's sober and clear mind. Um, so they can help you after. Yeah. Because the trip probably lasts about eight hours, but it peaks after two. So after those couple of hours of peaking, you're just feeling good and you, but it's hard to human. Uh, (laughs) if that makes any sense, like, like I really, I did a trip one day and my kids were in school and it was on, it was a very last minute, like, fuck it. I'm off today. I'm going to do it. Can you sit with me? Like, I'll be downstairs. I'll just, I'll text you if I need you. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. And then afterwards, um, you know, once the kids were home and this is several hours later, he was like, can you get some dinner started? I'm going to do this and this. And I'm like, yeah. And then I go and I'm like, I can't use a stove right now. <laughs> like, can we order a pizza? Because, and it wasn't because I didn't think I could do it. It was just doing basic things was hard. Right. Did you feel that? after? Um, yeah. I tried to eat and like... <laughs> Like I could go to the bathroom and come back and whatever, but then you think you're okay, but then like you go to do something, you go to do something, you're like <laughs> still a little fucked up. Yeah, um, I would pick up a fork and be like, "Why aren't my hands putting holding it in my mouth?" <laughs> the fork, like I dropped it on my chest. What's going on? <laughs> he made me a charcuterie board after another trip, and and I was like can you put the salami on there with a piece of cheese and some mustard? And he'd make it and hand it to me. I'm like, can you put it in my mouth? (laughs) But the weird thing is like, we're saying this, like we're so fucked up, but it's not like that. You're, you're in such a clear headspace. Your mind is there. It's your body. Your body is not. It's almost like it's, it's kind of slowly starting to catch up and get back to normal. It's catching up, but the, but the feeling comes and goes in waves. So you can be like, okay, I think I can get up now. I think I can move now like you're just kind of dead to the world kind of, physically but you just went through a lot you just oh released so much. a lot of trauma you're processing it and so it almost takes a little bit i guess to come down from it yeah and so as the hours go by it gets a little bit easier and easier and then you have the best fucking sleep of your life yep um but so the difference between the guide and the sitter like it, i think anyone can sit for you you just want to make sure they know what you're doing and there are a couple of websites that i have who kind of give a little bit more info into that if you wanted to dig into it and i even heard a podcast once and i maybe we can link that yeah um and it was about like self-guided trips and trip setting for friends um so there's the Fireside Project, which is really big. Um, they are a 24-hour, almost like a hotline for um, anybody who is tripping. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So you can text them, um, and their number is like 62-Fireside. You can text them and say, hey, I'm trip-sitting with a friend. This is happening. Is there anything I can do? And they literally have people on staff who will help you help the friend. Wow. Yeah. So you can tell them what you're doing. Like you're like, we're on acid or we're, you know, doing mushrooms, like what's happening. And they'll help you with integration if you want. Um, so Fireside Project is one. Um, the Zendo Project, they're similar. They do a lot of harm reduction. So I don't think you could reach out to them 24 seven, but they're the ones I was telling you about that they will have like tents set up at music festivals for people who are 
experiencing a bad trip. We've talked about volunteering for that. Yeah. I would love to do something like that. So sometimes at these music festivals, they have these tents where if you are with someone who is having a difficult experience, you can take them to this tent and they have guides in this room full of people who will help that person. Yeah. And which a lot of times, you know, I've never done it, but I've heard like if, if someone is having a bad trip, a lot of times your friends are like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? One of the worst things you could do. Yeah. Because you're already in such a delicate headspace. Like it's, it's hard to differentiate between reality and what's not real. So, um, and then double blind, um, I subscribe to their magazines, which is really cool. Um, but they are a website and they have courses you can take on how to trip sit. Um, and then there's another app called trip. It's literally just T R I P where you can go and have some type of guidance for helping people through something if you're wow. not experienced with it. So that was one question answered. That's the difference between having someone there for you. And, and there's a guide who has done this type of work before and who knows what they're doing. And then there's just a, like a trip sitter who's just there sober letting you do your thing. Gotcha. So. What was the other question? Um, who would it benefit? I got to give the short version of this because we got to get into your story. So I, I, I think honestly it could benefit literally everyone. Um, I know that there are some stipulations and some contraindications with medicine and family history. However, I think anyone who is ready for a change in their life or just wants to grow in some type of way, even if you're not trying to fix trauma, if you just want to grow as a person, I think this could be something that can help you do that. A lot of people could benefit from doing this once or twice a year. It just helps you grow as a person, helps you see things from a different perspective and and helps you be more present. Um, But there's a difference in doing it intentionally and doing it for fun. Both are great. I've done both, (laughs) but it'll get anyone out of a dark hole, I think. But if you don't do the work or integrate your experience afterwards, you're only going to be sitting in that mushroom high for so long before you're right back in that hole because you were looking for a quick fix. Yep. So I think they could be for everyone. I just think if you're looking at it as a quick fix or a Band-Aid or not taking it as seriously, it's not going to benefit you the same way it would someone who is willing to put in the work. When, you know, I did this, I took it very, very seriously. And I can get into that too, the protocol that I I did beforehand to get ready for it. I wasn't, I wasn't messing around. I didn't, I wanted it to work. I was very serious about it. I was very serious that too, I had to do the work outside too and integrate it because I realized I had, you know, toxic patterns that I wanted to break to feel better. So afterwards I had to continue making those changes Yeah. Or you were going to go right back to where you started. Absolutely. And I also think that it's extremely important to have support. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about like friends you can talk to. Um, I heard somebody say something and I can't remember where I heard this, but they, oh, it was in another podcast. Okay. In one of the final episodes, she says something about like, you can take a fish out of polluted water and get it healthy again but then you put it right back in the water and, and it's, it's going to get sick. It's going to get sick again. So that's a good analogy. I loved that. And, and 
you have to be around people who are willing to support you in your growth and support you on your journey and support you in your own happiness. Because if you are doing this for, for healing and you go right back to a toxic situation, it's going to try to pull you back down. Well, and another point too is, you know, if you're healing and you're happy, even if they don't understand it or aren't familiar with it, shouldn't they just want you to be happy? You would think that. Right. But I've, yeah. It's extremely triggering for some people to be around someone who is just happy. Okay. And not hurting anymore. I'm learning that. Some of the people you would never expect, like where you're just like, I don't understand. You've wanted this for me for such a long time. And now you're, and that can be the hurtful part of psychedelics. Yeah. As you realize that there are people that you care about that aren't happy for you Yeah, and you're healing, which is that's tough. It's really hard. So, So yeah. Anyway, it can benefit a lot of people. Are you ready? Ready as ever. You ready? Yeah. So um, I'm going to go into my trip, but first I wanted to give a background of my life and my trauma and just to give you an idea of the events that happened that led me to where I'm at now. So... um for those who don't know me, I was born in the Marshall Islands. And Leah, feel free to interject at any time if you have like a question or anything. You got it. Um, I was born in the Marshall Islands, and a lot of people don't know where that is. It's uh, a tiny, tiny island in between Hawaii and Australia. It's in Micronesia. Um, we'll get into this later, later down the road, but um, the U.S. did nuclear testing on our island and left a lot of people sick and all that stuff, but that's, that's for, Another that's for, a, yeah, that's for a different day. Cause that'll fuck your world up when you hear. <laughs> yeah, it will. Ugh. It's really sad. Um, my mom is, uh, Caucasian and she's originally from Iowa, but she joined the Peace Corps and she joined the Peace Corps and, you know, got located to Marshall Islands. And that's where she met my dad. My dad is Marshallese. Um, And at the time I was the youngest of six. Um, I have four um, half siblings and then I have an older sister who's my only full sibling. But um, I guess I'll just get right to it. My my dad was an alcoholic and abusive. I don't remember him being physically abusive to me, but I remember him being um, physically abusive to my mom and my siblings. So, you know, I think that sometimes when you're a child that grows up with trauma, you block out some of those memories, but I do still have some vivid memories. Um, One was long story short, but I was probably four. I got stung by a bee and was really upset and crying like a regular four-year-old would do. And my mom took me out for a bike ride and I think my dad came home and he didn't know where we were. Um, He was very, very upset. When my mom got home, he was upset that she was wearing shorts. Granted, we lived on an island. (laughs) Um, And he got very upset and got physical with her. And I remember at four being like, that was my fault. Oh, And taking that on. So... Yes. Because um, she took you on a bike ride. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah. And I remember, you know, him being abusive to my siblings. Um, 
I've never spoken about this like in detail. So this may be hard for me today. But again, I want to remind people that I did get better. Like there is a happy ending to this. Um, So my parents split up. Um, I think I was probably around four or five. I don't really remember. And I moved to Iowa because that's where my mom is from. Um, And even though some of my half siblings weren't my mom's um, biological siblings, she brought them to the U.S. to give them a better life. So um, my mom was truly a single mom. I had an absent father and she worked her butt off my entire childhood. So I have utmost respect for her and the challenges that she probably faced during that time that I just didn't even realize. Um, and so she had a lot on her plate. Usually she was working two to three jobs. So oftentimes I got left with my siblings and I ended up having, and my older sister, she became, and again, you know, she has trauma too. She went through a lot of things. Um, but she ended up being verbally, physically and psychologically abusive to me throughout my entire childhood. So I really grew up with a lot of chaos, a lot of chaos. And I struggled with it because I felt very out of control all of the time. Like, and there was nothing that I could do or say to make things better. So I resorted to bulimia, which that's not something that I really talk about either. Is that, can I ask? Yeah. Yeah. I've never experienced like uh, eating disorders. I've never gone through that, but I, from what I've understood about them, it's a, it's a sense of control, right? Yes. Because I've had friends who have had eating disorders. Yeah. It's less about the food and it's more about control. It's the only thing that I felt like I had control over. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. And, um, a friend had caught me throwing up because obviously if you have an eating disorder, there's a lot of shame that goes with it too. And it's not something that you are public about or you want people to know. So um, my friend trying to do the right thing had told my sister. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I got ridiculed for it. So that made it worse. And I was in a very, very dark place. I dated a lot of um, the wrong people um, because of my abandonment issues and trauma. (laughs) But um, yeah. And so even though I felt all of this darkness and I was in a bad place, I tried very, very hard to be normal. So I played sports and I got good grades and I went to college and I did the things that I thought was expected of me. What we thought was normal. Normal. What is normal? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, back when we were kids, mental health wasn't. No. Our parents didn't talk to us about that stuff. No. So I didn't go to therapy. I didn't, you know, think about your kids going through something like that, not having anybody. You can't imagine that, right? No. Right. I can't. Yeah. So um, I tried whatever I could do to be normal. 
And no matter what, I still always felt like I didn't fit in, especially being in Iowa, being a person of color. I didn't feel like I fit in. Not having a present father didn't feel like I fit in. Having a single mother didn't feel like I fit in. I think I was the only one out of my friend group who was a person of color, had a single mother, and had a father that wasn't present. So there was that. But anyways, um, ooh, went to college. Um, I met my ex-husband. And um, from the very beginning, it did not start very well. Um, I often dated men that cheated on me, and he was no exception to that. So it wasn't a very, it didn't start out with a very good foundation. Um, But I tended to gravitate towards those type of men. I think that that's a thing. Like that's very interesting because I think when you grow up with not so present emotional fathers, you are always seeking that. And there's something comfortable about the uncomfortable parts of it. Like you're always seeking for something different, but you don't realize you are putting yourself in situations and reliving those parts of your life through a different person. And he literally was so mean to me and didn't even like acknowledge me in front of other people. And I remember being like, oh, I'm going to make you love me. Like I am going to make you fall in love with me and whatever, because I, it was like, like that rejection and like feeling like that abandonment feeling. I'm like, no, I'm going to fix this. Yeah. And you are going to like me. Not only are you going to like me, you're going to love me. Yeah. And then you got married. (laughs) And then I got married. Yeah. Which that didn't last very long um, because of, like I said, it didn't start on a good foundation. And so I got divorced very, very quickly too. So, you know, we had moved to Louisville for his job. Not many people know that about me either. That you, I knew that you did, but I'm just very, (laughs) um, I'm very picky with who I share details with because it's a safety thing for me. But I was so concerned about what other people thought. I was at a certain job when I was married. When I got divorced, I quit that job and got a new job because I didn't want to talk to those people about that. (sighs) That's how much I suppressed. And then worrying so much about what other people thought. Yeah. Crazy, right? Uh, it's crazy. Not good. Not good. <laughs> it's not crazy. Because we learn, all do it. Yeah. Learn from my mistakes. Um, so then I started managing uh, Nine Round. Uh, I managed two different boxing gyms or boxing gym locations. And, um, you know, because I was in a new city, I was newly divorced. A lot of my clients and a lot of um, my fellow coworkers became my friends and then I ended up leaving Nine Round and opening up my own gym, Six Packs. And a lot of those people who were my clients slash friends moved over to Six Packs, which is also amazing. The problem with that is every single person I was friends with and every single person had my number. And um, I have very terrible, I had very terrible boundaries and um pretty much long story short is I had the gym for about five years. COVID hit, which (sighs) COVID is a bitch, especially if you're a small business owner. Absolutely. So again, someone who struggles with chaos, this was very much so a situation that I was not in control over. 
And there was nothing you there could do. There was nothing control. I could do. We closed down for three months. That was very, very hard for me. And again, you know, a lot of people make assumptions about me like, oh, well, you seem so good. Or, well, you always seem so put together. You guys, I'm acting. I was acting. Okay. <laughs> I was acting. And again, that only got me so far because I can only hide it for so long. And I hid it for 34 years pretty fucking well. Yeah. So COVID hit and, you know, TMI, which it's fine. Um, I started getting UTIs. Yeah. Well, you totally already said that in another episode. Okay. So. Yeah. We're good. It's <laughs> we're already on that right. level with you guys. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I started getting um, UTIs and I had a UTI for over a year. It was wild. Um, and it's, it would start like I would get a UTI, you know, take an antibiotic six weeks later, I'd get another one. Then it'd be four weeks later. I'd get another one. Then two weeks later. Oh my God. Then days later. Then it was like a day or two after I finished the antibiotic, I'd get another one. And then it got to a point where I became resistant to antibiotics and I was seeing, specialists and holistic doctors and regular doctors. And I went to a urologist. Is this all during COVID? um, The urologist was a little bit before COVID. And he told me that nothing was wrong because I've always been prone to them. Okay. But once COVID hit, it took it to another fucking level that I've never, like in college, I had got, I've gotten hospitalized twice for them onto the emergency room. Now I'm learning why though? <sighs> because you always, especially with the UTI, you always think it's like, there's something wrong with my kidney or bladder or, um, my urethra or those type of factors. Um, so anyways, they couldn't figure out why I had UTIs. Then I started to develop these rashes and I would get, it was almost like I was like breaking down in hives. I would mostly get them on my neck and my chest. I would get them on my armpits, my face. Um, and then it got to a point where I couldn't wear makeup and I couldn't hide being okay. Like oh, looking okay. Shit. So I would show up to the gym just looking like just a hot ass mess. Oh my God. Rashes all over my body, have a UTI and, you know, it's it's hard to come into a gym because everyone's looking at you for inspiration and entertainment and you know advice and positivity and I'm a human being I'm not always like that and especially at that point I was under a lot of stress um I did not feel good every day I didn't feel good I was constantly tired and I couldn't fake being bubbly and happy anymore. You couldn't hide it anymore. Right. Yeah. And so it started to show up. Like I said, all of these specialists, they had no idea what was going wrong and they're taking all of these tests, yada, yada, yada. And, um, I had gone to, weren't you, you were trying to get out of your lease, right? Yeah. So I was trying to move to a smaller location. Okay. And kind of that's where I was thinking because I was like, obviously, I'm under way too much stress. I was in a very large location, very expensive location near a very nice neighborhood. Um, and it was just getting to be too much. And I was, like I said, everyone had my number. I 
train full time, but was expected to be a business owner and expected to run social media and expected to do everything. And I can be a mom and and be a mom. Um, And it was just, it was too much. It's overwhelming. Right. And I think a lot of moms and a lot of women probably can relate to putting way too much on their plate. Oh, it's you're being pulled in a million different directions. Also during COVID, we bought 10 homes. We, Tony and I are into um, short-term and long-term rental properties. So there was that too, you guys. Um, <laughs> so much. So we had bought a, um, a short-term rental home in Florida and we had gone down there for a week to completely like redo the entire place. And it was on me to like decorated and do all that stuff. Um, and I was just at a very, very low point and I actually called my landlord and I was just like, you know, if I found somebody, cause I, I only had like six months left on my lease and I was done. And I said, you know, if I found somebody to move into this location, would you let me out? He was like, yeah, absolutely. And I'll try to find someone for you too. Cause I was like, I'm really struggling with my health. Like it's hard for me to just get out of bed every day, let alone work and pretend like I'm fucking living my best life. Cause I'm not. <laughs> So long story short, he called me a few weeks later and he said, Hey, it was December 15th. Hey, I'm going to let you out of your lease. You have two weeks to get out. (gasps) I was like, Whoa, but I feel like this is like an opportunity just hitting me on the fucking head that I need to take. And so I said, okay. And then I ended up getting COVID. So Tony had to completely close the gym down without me because I was just one. I had <sighs> rashes all over my body. My stepdaughters were like, "You look like pitiful right now." Because I got COVID during Christmas, and I had rashes all over my body and N95 mask on, and like just hating oh. my life. And just you know, I didn't get to say goodbye to any of my members. And you know, when you open a business and you're a small business owner, you put your heart and soul into it. So. If you close that business and granted, you know, it was my choice, but it's it's, still, you're still grieving a loss. It's a baby that you lost. And there were a lot of very, you know, amazing relationships that I've formed because of six packs. And so I was just in a very, very, very low, low space. Luckily I had able to, I was able to get out of my lease and, you know, that was a weight off my shoulders, but I was still in a place like, well, what the fuck am I going to do now? And luckily Tony was like, I think that you need to rest and recharge. Cause I think you give so much of your energy to all of these people. And I love the people in my life, but oftentimes when, especially when I trained, I was a glorified therapist. Yeah. I talked to people and again, I'm very picky and choosy with who I tell and what I tell. So there, there are not very many people who really know me, like truly me. So it was, it was very one-sided. Um, a lot of people, and I always want to be a safe space for people because I never had that. And I think, you know, again, that's trauma, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, um, you know, people would confide in me about their marriages and their divorces and infidelity and, drinking and just a lot of really, really heavy stuff. And again, Leah and I are empaths. So I took everything home every day for the last five years of owning that business. And also when I had nine round two, and that's a lot to suppress and I wasn't releasing it or getting any of it out, but you know, it just, it all came to a head. And so 
that I felt like was my purpose. And so now that I didn't have six packs, I was like, what the fuck am I good for now? Can I, uh, it's interesting that you and I both felt like glorified therapists and I used to look at other people who did what I did and be like, how the fuck are they doing it? Like, yeah, why don't they talk about same. this in school before you start doing hair or being intimate with like having one-on-one conversations with people? Why don't they warn you that this is going to be extremely emotionally draining? And then probably same with you. You're looking at other gym owners and other trainers and thinking like, how are they doing it? And there's a difference because it wasn't our occupation. It was the empath part of us. hundred percent. And I do eventually want to talk about what that looks like for people because empaths are, are a very safe space for people because we don't want people to hurt and we want to help people. So that energy resonates with people. Like Absolutely. you, you know, right away that we're not going to judge you and we are going to be open and welcome and loving. And I don't think that people mean to take advantage of it. No, it just feels good to talk about things with someone who's a safe space. And we had terrible boundaries. We had no boundaries. So we became glorified therapists in a way, but we didn't know how to turn it off. Right. So if, if someone release it, right. So if someone came to me and you know, they're talking to me about how their husband is cheating on them. Often I would go home and I would cry about it and be very upset and, and think about it or even, and it wasn't even, I wasn't even directly involved in it. Yes. That's, I would have someone whose like mother had just passed away and, you know, our 15 minute brow wax would be just talking about how horrible it was. And and it was, but I would go home and I would cry about it. Same. And my husband never, he would be like, but it's, you didn't even know her mom. Right. You know, but I'm like, but, but I care just, about this person right. and they're hurting and I, and I'm hurting for them. Right. It's a very hard thing to understand, but it wasn't until we realized we were impasse that it all made sense. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and another thing too is my friend Katie also owns a gym and she was like, oh, no one has my number. Like <laughs> my trainers are specifically told to not give out my number. And I'm like, oh, really? Because I have about fucking 200 people who have my number. Did you? I did this during COVID on a lunch break on a whim. I went and I changed my phone number because 100%. I realized too many people had access to me and I had let too many people way too close. Oh yeah. I changed my number too for my mental health, but here's the problem because I had such poor boundaries. People like got mad at me that I changed my number and I didn't tell them. Yeah. And I think this is something that people need to remember about boundaries. It's not about you. It's not personal. It's not personal. So if somebody puts up a boundary, it's because they're trying to like keep their mental health intact. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. And that's exactly what it was. I'm but like, people, I'm not. People got mad at me. There were people who had my number. I didn't even remember I had my number and Same. would reach out and be like, you never messaged me back. And I'm like, I, I changed my phone number. Like I didn't, I never got your message. Yeah. But yeah, it was never personal. It was just a, I was so overwhelmed by the amount of people who were reaching out to me instead of reaching out to my receptionist in a time where I was already drowning. It was such a very last minute, like fuck it. I'm going to go change my number after having this phone number for however many fucking years. Like I need to cut off access to me because it's too much. Tony begged me for probably two years to change my number. Really? That's how bad it was. 
See. So like I said, you don't always know what goes on behind closed doors. No. And you're not the only and one what reaching people, out. And again, because of what we did, being a business owner and being responsible of other people, even if we weren't okay, we had to show up to work to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then people had the assumption of, oh, you're fine. It's like, well, you just don't know me very well. (laughs) Sorry to break it to you, but you just don't. Yeah. But yeah, so I was just, after I closed six packs, I was just really lost. And I never thought that I had depression. I've always had anxiety and depression though, um, because it was just very much so the mentality of like, this is always going to be my life. I'm always going to be fucked up. I'm always going to feel this way. Kind of a, a mentality, which is a sad mentality to have and and. For people who resonate with that, it doesn't always have to be that way. But luckily, the stars aligned. <laughs> and I won, I won a bracelet from Luna by Leah, which I don't win shit, you guys. And um, you and I met for lunch and we've already talked about this. And so, um, you know, I was very intrigued. And again, I knew nothing. And then you really opened my world up. And so I found a guide and decided to do a trip. And, um, yeah, it was quite the ride, but so let me ask you, cause I know there's all these like protocols and, and with my first yeah. trip, I, I followed them to a T the same way you did. I'm like, we've talked about being rule followers. So I'm like, you're telling me not to eat meat for a couple of weeks. I'm not going to fucking eat meat. You're telling same. me not to drink caffeine. I'm not going to fucking touch it. Yep. So so I, I stayed away from meat because meat, it's just really heavy in your stomach. And when you go into the trip, you want to be, you want to be very light and have an empty stomach and you want to have an empty stomach. I deactivated my Facebook, which I haven't activated that. And what's funny about that is people are like, what's wrong? You deactivated your Facebook. I'm like, um, I'm actually really good. That's why it's deactivated. Right. <laughs> so you guys actually have it, right. You guys have it really the opposite, but that's fine. I deactivated my Facebook and I just, I actually deactivated my Instagram too. And I stayed off social media because I didn't want anything to cloud my intention. And my intention was to be able to let go. Um, Which I think that's crazy that we had the same intention. I agree. Like, but it, it two it years just, apart. Right. It, it just, it was so simple, but it wasn't. Yeah. You know, things with my dad, things, um, the abuse from my sister, um, never feeling good enough. There was a lot of self-hatred there. And another thing is I was very, very angry, very angry. And so there would be often times where it would maybe come out, but in an unhealthy way, because I just suppressed it for, like I said, my entire life. So my intention was to let go. And so I didn't want to watch the news or be on Facebook and have random negative shit cloud that goal. Because I was like, you know what? Leah is throwing me a lifeline with this information that she's giving me. Like I'm going to take it seriously and I'm going to do what I need to do because I want to, I want to feel better and I want to be happy. Didn't watch TV, didn't watch social media, social media, kept things very, very light. Didn't try not to have too heavy of conversations with people. So their stuff didn't project onto my journey. And then the day of you fast. So, but I started in the morning, so I was just, you know, don't eat anything beforehand. Cause it is, it's, it's a lot, but I did the same thing as you. I took five grams, which is the Johns Hopkins amount and also did it with orange juice and just, it really wasn't bad. Just no. chugged that shit like a shot, but Take it wasn't it down the hatch. It was no lemon drop. That's for sure. No, it was a little <laughs> chunky, <laughs> a little um, dirty. <laughs> and, and, you know, 
what's important um, if you decide to do this and you decide to do it with a guide is that you want to do it with somebody that you feel safe and comfortable with because you're about to get very, very vulnerable and some stuff is going to come out. Um, so you want to do it with a guide. And another thing is, is if you're a female, you don't want to have a male guide. And if you're a male, you don't want to have a female guide. Usually you want to keep it same sex. I think that that's huge. Cause when my husband wanted to finally do it, I didn't want to do it for him. Cause I was like, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to do that for you. Right. Like, I don't know what might come up for you. And right. he didn't feel comfortable doing it with a guy. And I knew a guy who was willing to do it. And he was like, I don't fucking know him. So we did what was best for us and he does feel safe around me. So it was very different um, in that situation. But, but in that situation, you guys weren't guides to each other. You guys no, were trips. We were just sitting for each other and yeah. making sure the other person was okay. And well, I do want to talk about that later about being okay. with someone safe because it does put you in a very vulnerable situation and a very vulnerable headspace. Which, yeah. And so when I, when I did this, it takes about, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to kick in. And I remember like looking at curtains being like, wow, they're moving (laughs) and the TV it's moving. And this is crazy. This is really trippy. And, but it's whatever. Wait, wait, wait. Yours wasn't, yours was in a house. Yeah. I was in a house. You were in the woods. (laughs) I ain't going outside for this shit. Give me a house. Give me some air conditioning or a heater or whatever. Oh my God. Another important thing too is um, my guide told me to wear a lot of layers. So throughout this, I would get really, really hot. Then I would get really, really cold. So just another thing to keep in mind. But yeah, so it started to get trippy and whatever. And usually it takes 45 minutes to an hour. And then that's when you're ready to like really go into it and go into your subconscious. Two hours later, I would not shut the fuck up and kept talking to my guide about whatever and kept being like, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. And finally, she's like, I, I think you're avoiding it, which was a common theme of my life. <laughs> I was like, I, you know, and even before I went into my peak, I remember crying and like trying to hide my face because I, I didn't want her to see me cry. I didn't want her to see me in that way. And again, I can't not reiterate this enough. A guide is there to not judge you. They are, you know, there to make you feel safe and comfortable, but it's not, it's, you're supposed to go through those emotions. That's what's supposed to happen. But I was just very concerned with what she thought about fighting it. And I was fighting it and I was avoiding it because I was scared. I was scared about what would come up. And I was scared that I was scared that I couldn't get through it. And I didn't want to, that stuff was very hard for me as a child. And so I didn't want to face it again, but I decided to trust her and I decided to listen to her. Hang on a second, you guys. I'm gonna, I gotta dab these eyes. <laughs> um, I decided to trust her and I decided to listen to her because I also knew that what I was doing was hurting me and it wasn't working. And so um, she had like a playlist going where there was music, but before I went into my peak, there was a guy who was talking and he, he was talking about, Hey, you know, it's your, it's your first trip. This is so exciting. Just remember when you're, when you're in it, 
go back to your breath and go back to your intention. And so I decided to trust her. And for me, I actually put an eye mask on, just laid back on the couch. And I remember seeing a lot of really, really trippy things, but it was only for like a minute or two. And then it's like, it's almost like you're going into like a portal into your own, yeah. into your own mind. You told me you were like scared of what you saw. Yeah. Every time you would put the head, head, so the I would, light. Right. Oh my God. The eye mask. Every time you would put the eye mask on. I, so I would, I, I would put the eye mask on. I'd be like, I can't do this. This is really scary. I'm seeing a lot of crazy trippy shit. <laughs> and she's like, I promise it's only going to be like that for like a minute or two. And then it won't be like that anymore. Like, I promise. I just, you know, I want you to trust me. Like, that's like, that's the portal. Right. That's the, that's the road. That's and so not I, your trip. And so I did. I, I put faith in her and I, I trusted her and she was right. And, um, you know, I thought that my peak would be about my dad or my sister or specific events that happened. And it wasn't, there wasn't really anything there that I remember. I just remember f- extreme feelings. So I would feel the most intense wave of sadness you could imagine. And even though from my guide's perspective, all it looked like I was just curled up in a ball on the couch with a blanket over me, I was sobbing, like just uncontrollably sobbing. But then I would say, okay, remember what that guy said, go back to your breath go back to your attention. So I take a deep breath and I'd be like, okay, feel it, but then let it go. And then the big thing I would tell myself is you got this, like you can do this. You were saying this stuff out loud. In my mind I was. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was. Right. But from someone else's perspective, it looks like I'm taking a nap on the couch. (laughs) So this is all like in your head. This is all in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would feel like just so much anger, so ang, so angry, so, so, so angry. And then again, go back to your breath, go back to your intention, let it go. You got this. And then frustration and then abandonment. But the beautiful thing about this is this, again, you don't really have concept of time. My phone was off, you know, all this, um, as it kept happening. I got more and more confident with myself, much more confident with myself. And it got easier and easier and easier and easier as each wave of feeling hit because I was like, I got this. Like if no one else has got my back, I'm fucking good because I have my own back. And then I remember um, it was just done. And I took my mask off and I just have tears just streaming down my face, but they're actually like happy tears. (laughs) And she just like, looks at me like, like waiting for me to say something. And I was just like, I fucking got this. (laughs) I got this. I was, (sighs) it was just amazing because after an integrating, I had a lot of these epiphanies and the energy that I put into other people. And it made me feel so good to make people feel good and make people feel heard and make people feel safe. I never did that for myself ever, ever. And I realized that like, 
I need to start doing that. Like I have to start lifting myself up. I have to start hyping myself up. I have to believe in myself. And um, it just gave me this confidence and peace. And again, I in the past, I would feel like I had to fight other people's battles or be very vocal about things that I felt like were right, where now it's just more of a, I know who I am. And I don't have to justify that to anybody because I know I'm a good person and I've been through a lot that a lot of people don't even know or can't imagine. And I'm very proud of myself for getting myself through this. And I just, it was just this quieter confidence, I guess. But I, I had such low self-worth and I guess I didn't even really realize it. And it's, it was like 10 years of, you know, I had gone to therapy, I'd gone to an energy healer, but this was like 10 years of therapy in one day. It literally rewired my brain. And I've I've said this on, I think the other podcast, a lot of people, when they grow up in child trauma, they are constantly in this survival mode and this constant like fight or flight. And so even though therapy does help. It's really hard to get out of that because that's what helped you survive as a kid. Where this, like, I felt like I was able to just be me and all those walls came down and all those, you know, I had abandonment issues and trust issues and safety issues. It just all like went away. And I had this just newfound confidence in myself that I don't even know how to explain and I've never had before. Um, But it just, I don't know. It just felt really, really good. And I've never felt like that before. So it, it wasn't like a, I felt like me again. It was, I felt like me for the first time. Yeah. That's a good one. Cause yeah. It's so hard to explain to people. I was never anybody but me. I was never pretending to be anyone else. I just don't think I knew who me really was. 100%. I didn't know me. Right. And I molded myself. Yeah. I molded myself, you know, growing up, I tried to act a certain way to prevent vitriol and chaos. Guys I dated, I would mold myself to prevent abandonment, prevent abandonment and make them love me and not stick up. I may have been vocal, but I didn't stick up for myself in the way that I should have because I just wouldn't have tolerated it in the first place. How many, this is interesting because I afterwards you would text me these things and how many times did you've got this come up so fucking random that there's no way it could have been a coincidence. It was like reassurance. Yes. And, and that's what's crazy about this too, is that was like the big thing. You got this, you got this, you got this during like my peak. And then after I got done, I saw that everywhere, everywhere. Just the phrase. Just that phrase, you got this. And even one of your friends oh my God. texted you that quote. She, The way she texted it to <sighs> me, though, her and I have Crazy. this type of relationship, and she believes in all of this stuff, too. So she had texted me, and she said, I don't normally do this, but I feel like I needed to give you this message today, and something's pulling on me to 
text you this. And she sent me a screenshot of like this message. And it was this beautiful, like, I don't know, it wasn't a poem or anything, but it was just like this beautiful saying at the very end, it was like, you've got this. And I was like, you're not going to believe this, but that wasn't for me. I'm just the messenger. (sighs) And I took it and I sent it to you because you had just opened up to me about like how you're seeing this, you've got this everywhere. And And I'm like, this is crazy. And I sent, I was like, this is, this message is for you. And I can't explain how crazy that was. Like the way that that happened, it just couldn't have happened any other way. Oh, for sure. There's no way it was a coincidence. Oh, for sure. For sure. (laughs) For sure. You know, and I think, I think I've always had a voice and I think I've always, you know, been vocal about the things that I believe in and the things that I'm passionate about and what I believe is right. But I'm learning that I, I don't have to, I, I'm, let me, I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. I'm learning when and where to use it. Yeah. Like you don't have to fight everyone's battle for them. No. Yeah. And you're putting your energy towards what you really believe right. is worth your energy. Yes. Hundred percent, because you're giving it away. Yep, and um, you know, in my culture, me saying this about my dad um, is considered to be very disrespectful. So there's also been a lot of shame with me speaking out, and I struggle with. I've always struggled with that, but also it's my story, and it's my journey. And, um, I've learned that at the end of the day that it can be very hard to be the person to break toxic generational patterns. And, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it because, um, I want to make five-year-old me happy and I want to make 50-year-old me happy and suppressing that didn't work for me at all. So my goal is to share my story to help other people who may relate to that and struggle with the same thing. And another thing is I have to talk about it because I didn't want to project any of my trauma onto my child at all. Let me ask a yeah serious question here because you said um, suppressing it didn't help you. And I guess my question to our listeners is like, When is suppressing it ever helped anybody? (laughs) I mean, true dad, dog. Like, what is suppressing it doing to you emotionally and internally and physically? And what is these generations of not talking about abuse and not talking about mental health? Look where we are. Right. Look where the world is right now. Like, we are all walking around wounded. Yep. And we're supposed to pretend we're not. Right. Because if you talk about it, it's taboo. And that's another thing with trauma. Where's it going? If you're not talking about it and getting it out, where's it going? And that's another thing with trauma going back to people are like, well, you two have trauma. I don't. Here's a little fun fact for you. We all have trauma. Trauma could be you not having emotionally supportive parents that talk that talk to you about how you were feeling. Or maybe they were both there in your lives. But one, this is something interesting because I got really deep into like mother and father wounds because I have both. 
But if you had a parent who suffered from a mental disorder or had mental health issues and they weren't fully present, that can be traumatizing. And they didn't mean to do it. They they were in survival mode and they were drowning too. And that's where I'm like, I don't want to be that for my kids anymore. I was that. I was that. And it was doing them a disservice and it was doing myself a disservice. And I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And trauma could be, you know, you were six and you felt like you didn't fit in. That's traumatic. That's traumatic. Like losing a loved one. That's traumatic. Like we all have it. Now, me and you may have the big T's. The big T's. Yes. There's big (laughs) T's and little T's. But we all still have it. And we all could use healing and we all could use growth and we all could use evolving. Well, this is, I I don't want to get into all of this, but it's just an example of how it can be passed down and normalized and without even realizing it. Because my husband was one of those who used to think he didn't have anything traumatic in his life. But A lot of men do. A lot of men do. I'm like, but your dad left when you were six and you don't think that that's traumatic? And right, he's like, I don't traumatic. really think about it. And I'm like, But it affected you. Right. But so you suppressed it. (laughs) So you suppressed it. But it affects the way you are in your adult relationships. Um, Because even though his mom was present, her mother would give her the silent treatment. And then she would give the silent treatment to my husband. And my husband would give me the silent treatment. And I'm like, you don't think you have trauma, but what you're doing is projecting your trauma onto me. Yeah. And you didn't even realize it. Right. Like you are so, you think the silent treatment is so normal because your mom did it to you and her mom did it to her and you don't look at it as trauma, but it is very traumatic to someone that it's being done to. Right. And I can't read your mind. as traumatizing as physical abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, going back to my dad, two things can be true at once. I can talk about how the things he did and my sister, the things that they did hurt me and made me feel a certain way and were traumatic. But I also know that they went through trauma. So with my dad, his dad was an alcoholic and abusive. And I'm sure, you know, my grandpa, there are things that happened to him that I don't know about, but it's hard to be where we're at sometimes because to be a cycle breaker, you're going to ruffle a lot of feathers. Yeah. And that's kind of with the cultural part of it um, that I have struggled with. But again, it's my story. It's my journey. I don't want to hang on to this for the rest of my life and project it onto my son. So this is the way that I'm dealing with it in a holistic and healthy way. And at the end of the day, I know I'm going to, I know I'm a great mom and, um, you know, if I'm doing things to bring myself more peace and things that make me happy, then who are you to judge? Yeah. Or even if you're not projecting those things onto your children or the people that you love, it's almost like, okay, but what is it doing to you? What is your inner voice telling you? If you're not projecting it onto other people, what are you telling yourself about those situations? How are you suppressing it? And how are you treating your inner child? Yeah. If you think it's so normal to do those things, yeah. it's it's hard to break those cycles. Speaking of inner child, after I after I did my mushroom trip, I'm like, you know what? I felt like I had to like walk on eggshells my entire life. So I'm gonna start acting like a kid. I've started fucking 
rollerblading. <laughs> and you guys, I le- I'm learning how to skateboard right now. <laughs> Why? I don't freaking know. Because we didn't because have it's normal fun. childhoods. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I don't care. No. And it's fun. And I, you know what? I'm getting pretty freaking good. So. Oh, good. I just got <laughs> Tony Hawk. Too. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I did that a lot after my first one. I went through a year of doing creative things yeah. and arts and crafts. And it was yeah. fun because I was also doing it with my kids. Yes. So it wasn't just like playing. And I, if you knew me before this, I would play with my kids in a neat constructive controlled environment like don't mix the play-doh you're gonna mix the colors don't put mark don't mess with markers you're gonna make a mess like i didn't play with my kids because i was so worried about the controlling part of it and you know they were kids right and so now i'm like let's fucking make some resin art and let's do some concrete and let's color and let's mix the play-doh and it's very different now because i am reliving the parts of my inner child that i never really got to and it feels experience good and i'm letting my kids do it and it's not a control thing anymore and i'm a better mom for that yep oh a hundred and they're gonna remember these things a hundred percent hundred percent i would move from one project to the next and i think that was me exploring Oh, oh, I'm sure. And it felt a little bit like I was having an identity crisis. I'll admit I, there were times I I did. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm moving from one project to the next. And but is that a, is that a crisis? I know that now I was like, I am just playing. Yeah. I'm, he'd be You're like, you just who you are. bought stuff to do resin and now you want to do concrete. And I'm like, because I tried it and now I want to try this. Yeah. And I tried that and now I want to make jewelry and right. I made jewelry and now I want to do this. And right. I'm just creating this like environment where I feel like I can, I, I don't want to be in a box. No. And just because I'm an adult doesn't mean I can't do these other fun things. Well, and also just because you're an adult doesn't mean you can't change your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Like you don't have to be stuck to one thing for the rest of your life. No, if, you know, 10 minutes from now, I decide that I want to take up freaking belly dancing. Great. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've been in my head before thinking like people are going to be like, oh my God, here she is on to her next thing. And I'm like, but you know what? Like, who cares? What are you doing? Right. And if it, at the end of the day, if it makes you happy it and does. you're not hurting anybody, no, but you're triggered by it, you have to ask yourself why you're triggered. Well, I think a lot of people are stuck in this idea of, well, I say a lot of people, I was one of those, like I put so much money into the business that I was in and it's like, you have all this debt, you put all this time and effort and energy into it. Why would you do anything else? And same with my husband, you know, he went to school for one thing and has all this student debt and these loans to pay off. Why would he switch careers? He's working this debt off and which we should do a podcast about <gasps> school and college. Absolutely. Yeah. Cuz cuz it just keeps people stuck in this yeah. mentality of well this is just what I'm doing. Right. But to me it's like okay, we both open businesses. We both closed down businesses. That was a chapter of our lives and also a huge lesson. Yeah. If those things wouldn't have happened, we wouldn't be here right now. No. So I look, look at, at everything it. like that. 
now as a, it was what needed to happen to get me to where I am. Well, and it's like what Tony Jones says, like the mentality of who does she think she is, is not a divine woman's mentality at all. No, because nobody thinks more about who I am than me. Exactly. So next time you see anyone, not just a woman doing something that makes them happy and it triggers you, maybe take a deeper look into that because ask yourself why. Right. Cause more people should be like, yeah, bitch, get it. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what we should be doing. Right. You go girl. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, boy, whoever, whoever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another thing too, afterwards is after this trip, I felt so good and so at peace with myself and so confident. But again, you have to integrate it. You can't go back to toxic patterns. So when I would get around, I I see less people now since I don't own six packs, but when I would get around certain people, or even when people would text me, sometimes I would get like, uh, this draining feeling. And I am now much more hypersensitive on who I am going to spend my time with because I'm here, I'm up here, not like saying I'm better than you, but I feel up here on the mushroom cloud. Yeah. Can and we call it a mushroom cloud? Why not? Why not? Cause I don't want to make it sound like we're just up here on this cloud. No, I'm, yeah. And again, okay. um, <laughs> I'm, yeah. Um, I feel up here and if you're not going to meet me up there, I'm, I can't drop myself down to you anymore. No. Just to make you feel better because I also need to feel good too. So that was, that was, you know, a really big takeaway that I had from that. And, um, I see a lot less people now, but my mental health is a lot better. So I guess that's all that matters. And oh, by the way, I really always struggled with anxiety too. And I think anxiety to a point isn't bad because I think it's your body's way of telling you that something may not be right or, you know, to listen to your gut instinct. And so I'm not saying that, um, I don't have anxiety anymore. I don't suffer from anxiety. It literally cured my anxiety. Um, because when I had six packs, I, you know, suffered from it. (laughs) I suffered and I suffered from anxiety and I suffered from panic attacks and I used edibles as a way to, cause I tried taking anxiety medicine and I hated the way that it made me feel. And I felt like it wasn't fixing the root of the issue. And so I resorted to edibles, but I remember, you know, telling Tony one night, and I've said this previously that I was like, I feel like I'm using this to escape and I just want to feel okay with being me just all the time. Not that I have to, oh, I have to go do this to feel calm. So yeah, that's my, that's your story. That's my journey. It it was a journey. I hope we don't take pictures today because I have been sobbing. I know we should have done stuff before. <laughs> I don't. I didn't cry as much as you, which is shocking. Yeah, it was tough. Like I said, it was um, tough. But you know, I'm 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 proud of you. Thank you. I'm proud of me too. <laughs> you should be. I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> you are a bad bitch for oh, yourself. That was another thing I realized too. My energy healer told me that. Um, I I was very good at making people feel good and um, building a confidence within themselves and very good at like badass and being tough and whatever. I was not very good with my feelings and feeling vulnerable because again, I went back to a safety thing. And so um, now I'm really working on 
Like if I do feel a certain way to feel it. And if I do feel sad to cry, or if I do feel upset, you know, to be upset, but to not stay in it. And, you know, I started journaling a lot as a way to like talk myself through those feelings and navigate that, but it doesn't have control over me like it used to have. I feel it. And then I let it go. Cause guess what? I got this. You've got this. I got this. So Yay. yeah, that's my story. That's your story. So. Right. I don't know what we have coming next. We need to kind of, uh, yeah, we need, you know, juggle. Some, I mean, we have, I've gotten a so lot many coming. There's questions just, about like microdosing or what does it mean to have a bad trip or we yeah. got some special guests coming up to provide education for you guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, there's so much to cover. It's crazy. Yeah. So. We'll get to it. I promise. We'll get to, we'll get to all of it. Well, thank you all for listening to my story. Um, thank you for sharing yeah. and being vulnerable. <sighs> it's not easy, <laughs> but I'm working on it. Um, but um, follow us on Instagram. See you on the other side podcast. Um, and if you can, if you listen to this podcast, leave us a review. Only a good one, though. <laughs> <laughs> if you have, take it up with the HR if you don't like it. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, but they help. They help. So leave yes. us a review, rate and review. And another and thing subscribe. is, yeah. And another thing is too is if you really liked it, please share it with your friends. And if you think that somebody would relate to the story, um, send it their way. Send them some hope. Yeah. Yes. Right. Send them some hope. Aww. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. Talk to you guys next time.